You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos, part of the Stake in the Plains content network and the Dave Campbell's Republic of Football podcast feed. Just a couple of casino caballeros talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro live from the Cardinal Sports Center studio. Ooh, welcome to the Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson live on Twitch today. Part of the Republic of Football feed with Dave Campbell's Texas Football. And live and in charge in the Cardinals Sports Center studio. If you need to gear up for the Texas Tech games coming up or anything this summer, it's it's moving fast. Hey, if you need to gear up for back to school, Cardinal Sports Center, live and in person right outside the loop on Slide Road or online, mycardinalsports.com. Kyle, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Good. In the middle of a rewatch for the 2005 Texas Tech versus Nebraska game in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, this was a great game. I don't remember a lot of it, but I do remember that it has a, a fantastic ending. Ooh. Yeah, a couple things off the bat here. TBS broadcast, I kind of miss those days. I remember as a kid watching Big 12 football on TBS, and I would kind of like to see them as a media partner someday, you know, maybe with a yeah, CBS, TBS, TNT partnership and like Paramount for your T3 for the streaming stuff. I don't know, maybe next contract. Uh, they were showing before the game started here that Texas Tech basically number one offense in the country coming in, Nebraska number one defense in the country coming in. And to add a bit of context, this is 2005 in Lincoln, like you said. In 2004, Nebraska came to Lubbock. And I don't know for sure, but that had to be like among their worst losses in program history. I think it was 70 to 10, right? Something like that. Something like that. Yeah, I was there. So they're definitely out for revenge in this one. Starting O-line, Glenn January, Gabe Hall, EJ Whitley. They've got him listed as Whitney. Manuel Ramirez and Brandon Jones. Some skill position guys, Torian Henderson, Danny Amendola, Rojo, Jarrett Hicks, Joel Falani. All-star cast here. And Cody Hodges is a quarterback. A lot of names that people remember from this squad, and, and rightfully so. Cody Hodges is just slicing and dicing down the field this first drive. Uh, I don't know about you, but I remember the year by Tech quarterback better than I remember like when I was in high school. Like if you if you told me, hey, what was in two thousand five? I'd be like, well, Cody Hodges. Uh, I think I was, let's see, um, a sophomore in high school. I'm you- the same way. I I know exactly which quarterback was what year, and then I can backtrack and go, okay, I was fall of two thousand five. I would have been in seventh grade. That was Cody Hodges. And I think why part of it is because maybe your memory is better as a kid, but part of it, I think, is you were so healthy at quarterback throughout the leech years. Like it was Cliff never had to miss a start. BJ never had to miss a start. Uh, Cumbie never had to miss a start. Hodges, Harold, I don't think in three years as a starter, never had to miss a start. And then in, I don't know, 2010, 2011 is when it started. It's like, okay, well, sometimes it sticks. Sometimes it's pots. And then you have the Webb Mayfield year, and I guess Mahomes was pretty steady, but yeah, it's just kind of been a little bit convoluted since then. 
but yeah, I'm with you. I can, I can remember, and even some other guys like the receivers and running backs around them. I can remember who was paired with each quarterback to a pretty strong degree for two decades later. Now, we've talked about this before, but do you think Cody Hodges gets enough a credit and b recognition? for for what he did in one year because he always seems to be the forgotten guy in that run of quarterbacks you had. He he absolutely is underrated to the extent that if one of the ugliest kicks I've ever seen that actually made it through the uprights doesn't make it through against Alabama in that Cotton Bowl, that team is 10 and 2 uh wins the first and only Cotton Bowl in school history and they're probably talked about a level above the 2008 squad that didn't win the Cotton Bowl. Now, I know the 2008 squad beat Texas in exhilarating fashion, but the end of season results, like you didn't get to play for a Big 12 title that year. You didn't win your bowl game. And so I think this 2005 team and Cody Hodges, had that field goal not been good from Alabama, would have been maybe kind of the crown jewel in Leach's tenure. And this would have been remembered as one of the best teams in school history. Torian Henderson just took a – throw to the sideline 15 yards to the house around a bunch of Nebraska players. It's seven to zero. Uh, I think tech was, is that say 13th? Yep. 4-0 against a four no Nebraska team. Yeah. And I think I would have to double check the schedule, but I think that we were pretty untested to this point. Like this was maybe your first or second conference game. And so you'd beaten up Sam Houston and you know, whoever, but this was kind of your first so you're actually getting some respect in the preseason rankings based on your holiday bowl win the year prior with Cumby and those guys. And so I, I feel like I remember that being part of the pregame talking point was like, this is Texas Tech's first test coming on the road against Nebraska. And of course, Nebraska being out for revenge after just getting absolutely pants the year before. Do you want to hear the scores and schedule leading into the Nebraska game? Yeah. Florida International. Yeah. I was going to say, I thought I remembered FIU was in there, which is so random. Yeah. Florida International, 56 to 3. Sam Houston State, you want to venture a guess at the score? 80 to 10. 80 21. Uh, I did not know that this team had a football squad. The home of Larry Bird, Indiana State, 63 to 7. Yeah. And then you played Kansas close, thirty to seventeen, before going to Nebraska, and that was at home. Kansas in two thousand five. So yeah, they were they were under Mangino at that point and starting to get more competitive. I remember they were really close to knocking off Texas in Lawrence that year, and they would have ruined UT's national title hopes. So they were they were not good back then, and it wasn't until the two thousand seven season when they won the Orange Bowl, but they were kind of building up to that. So they were certainly a more credible Kansas squad than some of the other ones that we were accustomed to back then. Is this uh, Zach – is it Zach Lee or Zach Taylor quarterback here for Nebraska? Back. I feel like you put a couple of names together. Oh, it doesn't look like Lee. No. Taylor. Taylor. Ruger Rager says Taylor. Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor. Number 13. We'll see the yeah. offense second, the starters. 
Yeah, oh, okay, the Bengals coach. Yeah. Oh, not have pulled that one. So I like kind of thought. Oh, did we just pick that? Yes, we did. 24, 26. One of the greats. Yeah. Yo, I might have talked through the defensive starting lineup, but um, who else would have been on this squad? Did you have um, – Dwayne Slay was 2005, right? Or was he not till 2006? No, he was 2005. Sounds about right. I think he was Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year in 2005. We only had him for a couple years because he was a Juco guy. Yeah. I think he's on this team. I could be wrong. It does. It is kind of a blur. Like when we posted that we're going to do this rewatch, somebody was like, I remember that game. We shut down in Dominic and Sue. And it's like, well, not quite. That was a few years later. But like, I get the sentiment. Those. Yeah. 2005, 2008 were both a long time ago. <laughs> so it kind of runs together. Oh, rare carry by Torian Henderson. He does tote the rock. And this was his last season, right? He was 2002 to 2005. Senior. Yeah, senior right there. And that's not like today where you have six senior years. No, yeah, he was a real senior. Yeah. <laughs> not COVID, not red shirt, not super, just a senior. Uh, any current stuff you want to talk about as Texas Tech still shredding Nebraska down the line? I know you've uh, had some fun on Twitter today. You want to talk about that? Yeah, I was. I was trying to explain who TJ Altimore is to my mother-in-law, and um, that was kind of funny. But yeah, so it kind of alluded to this when we were talking about accountability and everything last episode. When I think we recorded the day that Colorado was making it official. But if you go on Twitter and your whole shtick is like, you know, here's a chart for everything. Like, I mean, and we kind of, it reminded me too of the Texas week kind of battle Royale we did with Kyle Umlang. And if you add enough parameters and cherry pick enough stats, you can tell any story. So right now it's easier to do if you have an athletic department like Texas and, you know, you can pick, less random things like total big 12 championships in all sports, but you can also be like, well, in leap years, Texas tech has more super bowl MVPs than Texas has in its entire 100 year history and stuff like that. So that's kind of what I thought Altimore did was just leave out context or methodology and just go, okay, like here's every way that the PAC 12 is better. And so he's using like the director's cup, for example, Right. And okay, maybe the Director's Cup has some value and merit, but we know it's not what's driving the TV conversations. It's football. Sorry, Bristol Olamua just got a catch. Yeah, Bristol Olamua. One of the only times he played with a tight end in a decade of leech. I mean, you just yeah. just wasn't his cup of tea. Um, and, and that's why I did the TV ratings. I was actually arguing with Big Hen one day. He wasn't letting me get anything done at work because he was like, well, I disagree with how you – I was like, well, you can't compare a game that was on FS1 to a game that was on ABC. Like, it's just not an apples to apples comparison. So, anyway, I put out a, a chart that's mathematically mathematically correct. It was average season attendance divided by how many wins you have, and I spun it like Baltimore does. Touchdown, Joel Falani. By the way, it's about to be fourteen zero. That was the second play of the second quarter. So, we are off and running in Lincoln. 
Um, so I sold this as, you know, you can measure how loyal or passionate a team's fan base is by how, how many of them show up even when the team is bad. And so I did average season attendance divided by how many games they won. And Colorado, because they only won one game, is far and away better than these other yeah. Pac-12 teams. It, like, I think it's per win. Yeah, they sell out every game, but they won 10 games. And so when you add that denominator, it's like, oh, well, they have 5,000 average attendance per win. And so it, it's very skewed. It makes Colorado look like they're five times better than the next best team in this totally made-up metric. But my point was that's kind of exactly what guys like Baltimore are doing or to a lesser extent, Kenzano and Mandel, when they just report TV ratings without giving the context of, okay, well, this one was an after-dark slot where it had no competition, and this one was on FS1 and things like that. So there will be more. If you like the Colorado content, we're going to find other ways to spin it as they were the best edition possible from all of the Pac-12 and uh, some other Big 12 versus Pac-12 type comparisons, all in graph form for our friend TJ Altimore were blocked, but we will tag him. So hopefully he can see the the charts and graphs and he can see his uh, methodology has spread across to other fan bases on Twitter. It's all about the data and science over there. Yeah, and like the the fallback is what I'm posting is all mathematically true. It's, it's meaningless, but it's it's true. Like I even did the math for a, a poor Cal grad. They probably didn't give him that good of an education out there in Berkeley, but I broke it down for him. I said 42,000 divided by one, which is the number of wins Colorado had, is 42,000. That's way better than anybody else in the pack in this metric. So, Dwayne Slay. There he is. I was trying to think, is the king of drip, uh, John Saldi? He's still around, huh? I think he would have been on the 05 team. Linebacker? Number five, oh, there he was. Yeah, just saw him. There he is. You're also thinking of, like, maybe freshmen who aren't playing yet who would have been on that 08 team. Like a Darcel McBath. Yeah, would not gonna play today though. Oh, you making a tackle? Oh, missing a tackle. <laughs> yeah, Nebraska's driving. They're almost to the thirty-yard line. I love all the dark visors. That looks really cool with the solid black helmet and the black face mask. That's a good look. Yeah, was it? Was it Bill Callahan at Nebraska in 05? I think so. Legendary offensive line coach for several NFL teams. And I know you, coach. I know you beat them in 08. Did you also beat them in 2009 with Potts? No, it was Sticks. That was a Sticks game. Yeah. There's Bill. So we sent Nebraska to the Big Ten on a four game losing streak versus Texas Tech. 04, 05, 08, 09. Let me see here. Because you wouldn't have played them in six and seven with the old division format. Yeah, oh four, oh five, oh eight, oh nine. What a bunch of losers. Four game losing streak. After No, don't go before that. Just <laughs> a little bit the other way. What are they like nine and four against us all time? Seven. Seven and four. Yeah, they won the first seven. Dating back to seventy six. Then you won the last four. By some convincing margins, 70 to 10, 31 to 10, 
in the first and fourth of those matchups. I want to spoil yeah. this this final score. Yeah, I think 2008 was an overtime game. Oh, how'd Tickham get the ball back? Stuffed him, I guess. Oh, I wouldn't. I was on another page. It was Manny Ramirez. Nebraska was so good when the in the early days of the Big 12. I, I just remember um, like late 90s, early 2000s. Same deal, uh, you know, living in Austin, they would only play Texas twice every four years. But a couple of those matchups, I, I think if I'm if I'm remembering right, you know, Nebraska was number one or, or top five at the very least. It's kind of sad how much they've fallen off because, I don't know, back when you were playing them in a game like this, it felt like you were playing a big-time program. It really did, but they did fall off before they left. You know, people talk about them going to – the Big Ten and then falling off, but they weren't the same. They they weren't the black shirts when they were leaving. No, and they did make the the conference championship game their last season, but I think they were like nine and three going in. You know, it wasn't from the north. What from the north? <clears throat> did we have divisions in twenty ten? Yeah, when Nebraska was here. Oh yeah, that would have been the last year with divisions because yeah. then Colorado went first. Yeah. North was another so touchdown. Was that Felani again? Good grief, dude! Yeah, this is another thing with these one-year quarterbacks because you had Simmons come be Hodges three years in a row, and the Hodges Felani connection is just undeniable. And like, you wonder how much more insane the chemistry and production could have been if they got to play together for two or three years. Like Harold and Crabtree got to, yeah. That was a fun, fun tandem to watch. So it's twenty-one-zero with nine minutes left in the second quarter, and it's feeling at this point like you're about to two thousand four them again in their own house. I think seventy on them. Yeah, and I don't want to spoil it, but it does get closer. Yeah. But at this point, you're feeling good. Like, okay, let's 50-piece them. And there's Eric Morris. Emo. North Texas legend. What else do you want to talk about today? Um, It is officially camp week. What do you want to see from fall camp? Do you have any wants and wishes, Kyle? Dreams, aspirations. Well, I let me start here and then I'll segue into this season. I just finished rewatching every game from last year. Nebraska with a pretty big gain there. They're close to midfield. And, you know, I picked up on some stuff that and I rewatched every game last year too, like the the day after before we would record. Um most of the time, at least. But there's some stuff that either I didn't notice or didn't think about much that made more of an impression on my second time around rewatching. And one of them, I guess this is just a, a team culture thing, but when you had a question a couple episodes ago, like which Big 12 team was most likely to fake an injury against the up-tempo offense? Yeah. But almost 
in unison when they notice an opponent doing that, they all tap their heads like this, like real aggressively. Yeah. And I, and I love that because it, like, let's just stop the charade that, Oh, this guy might be hurt. You know, let's take a knee and wish him well. Like, no, he was looking over at his sideline and then he just sat on his rear end to stop the tempo. And so yeah, I love that. Not only are they pretending like he might not be hurt, but they're just like rubbing it in. Like they can't hang with us. They can't go our tempo. And this guy's being a wuss in front of 60,000 people because he's that desperate to get off the field. And so I love that. The helmet tab, just rub it in their face when they can't go tempo with you. Um, the cold weather game in Ames. I didn't think about this last year, but watching the, the body language on the sideline could not be more different than 2018 when you went to Manhattan. In a game that was not as cold, by the way but had almost identical implications. You were five and five going in and you had two shots to make a bowl game. You had to either beat Kansas state on the road in Manhattan, a Kansas state team that wasn't good or beat Baylor the next week. And you failed to win either of those games. You finished five and seven and Cliff was fired. But you remember that it was like, well, we're not going to bring the heaters. And I feel like guys just shut down. Like they stood there. And they were waiting for it to be over with. And I did not get that sense, you know, on the clips that they panned to the sideline in Ames. Got the sense that they were having fun and they were like, it's cold, but we're going to lean into it and embrace it and try to win a football game. And it wasn't pretty. It was a pretty ugly game, honestly. But so I, I just noticed thing like, things like that and go, okay, this stuff about how the culture has changed or the buy-in has changed, it's not just cliche commentary or coach speak things are visibly different and it manifests itself in different outcomes, different results. I do remember talking about the, the helmet slapping even before, like they said they were going to do that going into the season. I think Caleb Rogers maybe even was the one that really liked the idea to, to tap the helmet. It, yeah. That was the plan was that could going in was to tempo him to death and then tap their helmets when they, when they hit the ground. Yeah, they'll point at guys, and like it's almost in unison, especially the offensive line. They just start tapping the helmet. I, I love that. Yeah, Caleb Rogers. Yeah. He was very aggressive with it. Sometimes you're like, hey, man, just you know, focus on the next play. But Well, especially I think versus one of the games, I can't remember if it was Houston or somebody else, but it was like the first drive of the game. You know, and they, like, yeah. yeah, it had been five or six plays, and we're going fast, but I'm like, hey, it's not the middle of the third quarter. Right. How are you doing this already? But they they did it all the way up to Ole Miss, though. Like last game of the season, Ole Miss tried it. That was another thing I didn't quite remember to the full extent was how dirty Ole Miss was. Like multiple targeting ejections, multiple unsportsmanlike conducts, the fake injuries, the coach slander after the game. It's a yep. garbage football program, which is absolute garbage. And I used to like Lane Kiffin. I thought he was funny. Thought he was edgy, and now I'm just like, I hope y'all like. I there's very few teams I'd root for y'all to beat. Maybe A and M in that conference, but besides that, I screw them. So, what do you want to see from fall camp? Yeah. So, uh, thanks for reminding me. There was I said I was going to segue that, and I offered absolutely no segue. <laughs> um, I was thinking about some performances I watched on the rewatches through the lens of guys that you're expecting to get more playing time this year real quick. It is 
I don't know what down it is. Thanks, TBS. But, well, Nebraska just scored, so it doesn't really yeah. matter. 21-7 now with five minutes left. Pretty good sustained drive there from the Cornhuskers. Good response. Took about four minutes off the clock. Now we have a ball game. So, you know, I'm looking at guys like – have been let go. What'd you say? The balloons have been let go. There they go. Looking at guys like Jacob Rodriguez and Josiah Pierre, even though Josiah Pierre was playing a different position, and it's just hard not to get optimistic, man. Like uh, Jacob Rodriguez, I think only played a hundred something snaps all of last year. It averages out to maybe ten or fifteen a game, but I feel like he's noticeable when he's on the field and. He's good at his job. Like he seems to be in position. He's he's quick. He's strong. I think he's a good tackler. And so I know he doesn't have the snaps and the tackles that Merriweather had. You know, he was a very proven football player. Sean Merriweather was. And same with Kosai Eldridge. He was kind of a guy that waited his turn a little bit and was called on last year, played a lot of snaps, was very productive when healthy. But I don't know. I, I might be crazy. I might be drunk on the offseason Kool-Aid, but I'm looking at Josiah Pierre and Jacob Rodriguez and wondering if your ceiling isn't higher at inside linebacker. Than last year? Yeah. I think it is. I think Christian Merriweather was a very good run defender. But that's pretty much all he did was, was defend the run. And then Kosai, if you're throwing him in there at the middle linebacker position – um, he excelled at rushing the passer, it seemed like. You got a couple of blitzes in there. But I think you're more well-rounded. Going to the sideline to sideline. Like, I don't think I don't think Josiah Pierre is going to be Jordan Brooks. But I think he'll be more athletic than Krishan Merriweather was sideline to sideline. Hope they can stay healthy. Just because I, I, I worry about that position group. Even if those guys or as good as I think they can be and maybe even take it to another, another level versus where that position group was last year. If one of them goes down, I mean, there's almost zero experience behind them and experience isn't everything, but you, when you have old guys like Merriweather and Eldridge last year, I don't know. It makes me a little nervous, especially with the way Jake Rodriguez plays. Like he's a violent player that yeah, he's looking to, hurt you in a legal way within the confines of the rules of the game well and it's see that's one of those positions where even after the depth you've got freshmen so it's not like another sophomore junior coming in it's ty Kana, who's a redshirt freshman or wesley smith i think is a true sophomore who burned his redshirt playing special teams last year yeah so i don't know i i think your ceiling could be higher but it would take a lot of these guys have to stay healthy for 13 games and kind of play a new position and be better at it with less experience than the last two guys. So it, I'm not, I don't know how likely it is that they ultimately are more productive than last year's two inside linebackers, but I think it's possible just based on their talent. I wonder if they changed Josiah Pierre's body a little bit over the off season. Cause he, he's bulky. You know, he's a big guy Yeah. yeah. and linebackers are supposed to be big, but they've also got to move a lot more kind of side to side than Pierre did coming off the edge. Um, so I don't know. I wonder if they maybe said, Hey, we don't want you to try to squat 600 pounds. We want you to get a little bit leaner. So I'm curious to, 
see what his body looks like during fall camp. And feel free to post that clip on No Context, whoever's watching. Curious to check out some of these guys' bodies at fall camp, Rob. That's all. Says uh, 62245 on the roster. God dang. Let's see what the, <laughs> let's see what the 2022 one was. I just remember man trying to set the edge with guys that weighed 220 during the cliff era. Now we've got inside linebackers that weigh 245. Yeah. Are you ready to uh talk about your new uh infatuation? You you said his name earlier. You you uh we're looking up some some times and some some weightlifting. Oh. Yeah, with with Wesley Smith, I I don't know how public those numbers are supposed to be, so I, I won't. Okay, you don't have to. I won't divulge him, but the short version is there was this guy who hand up I hadn't heard of before, or if I'd heard of him, I forgot it. Who was like top three on the team in squat and bench press, but he only weighed like two twenty five, so he's not an offensive lineman or something. So I'm like, who is this guy? And I look him up, Wesley Smith. His first year in the program was last year, and like I said, he was mostly a special teams guy. But before that, out of high school, he was, you know, district whatever, 6A MVP at, at Midland Lee. So I know he can play football. He's listed at 5'11". That probably means he's 5'10", which is why with with that bench press, that's, that squat, and that production at high school, he wasn't recruited by every school in the country. And I'm fine with that. I don't care if you're a – a short king. If you can play football, you can play football. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, um, I haven't heard his name much in terms of like how productive he was during spring ball or anything, but that he, he might be in the two deep and he might be this absolute athletic freak and monster that is just waiting there. And as soon as they let him on the field, he's going to tear it up. But the, the numbers, the measurables are literally off the charts with him. So it, it does get me a little bit excited. A uh, couple of minutes into this game from the last check, 21 to 7. Uh, Nebraska, within a minute of the last play that we talked about, was already at the 20 with a punt and a personal foul. Just have a pass interference to extend a drive there in the red zone after a missed pick by Nazarudin. Tough scene there. Looks like an injury. It's going to be a first down, though, with a minute and a half left. 21-7 in the second quarter. Rob, do you want to give our friends at Rohino a shout-out? Yeah, Rohino Barbecue and Market now. Uh, some of the best barbecue in the world now available. What is this? Five days a week instead of just three. Tuesday through Saturday. Uh, and then, technically, Rohino Goodness available seven days a week with the market open seven days a week. You can go down to Olton, Texas. You can get your milk and your barbecue, Kyle. Volman's Milk, I believe is what it's called. Uh, you can also get chicken salad sandwiches, uh, those turkey sandwiches that are so good. Lots of stuff. I think they're doing breakfast burritos now with the, the market. So you can go down to the market, get your stuff, then get the barbecue from 11 to 8. Not No longer till sellout, 
11 to 8 from Tuesday through Saturday, Rojino Barbecue open. You can still order online before 9 a.m. on RojinoBBQ.com to get your order in and then walk to the counter and say, hey, this is my online order, and uh, they'll get it ready for you. Nebraska just punched it in with less than a minute remaining in the first half to make it 21 to 14. I don't think anything crazy happens before halftime, so that's probably going to be our score at the break. So like we alluded to, making it more competitive. All the momentum. Uh, This game previously recorded, by the way. It's not live. Oh, Bob Neal and Tom Ramsey. I don't remember them at all. No. I don't remember games being on TBS. I remember. We have somebody who was in the audience at this game, Froggy Trades. In Nebraska. Have we seen an official depth chart yet? I don't think we have, have we? Not official, no. There was a spring depth chart that uh, Don Williams put out. But I don't believe there's been an official two deep from Texas Tech. I found it won't be until the end of the fall. I found a projected one on a website called ourlads.com. Yeah, I'm familiar. And they've got one for every team. Want me to run through it and see what you think about it? And again, this is not official, but if there are any surprises to you. Okay. Nebraska's receiving the second half kickoff here, so they've got the ball down 21 to 14. So at X receiver, Jaron Bradley, no surprise there. Slot receiver, Miles Price, no surprise there. Tied in, they've got Baylor Cup. Yeah. And then Mason Tharp and then Henry Teeter. I don't know how significant that is at tight end because all three of them kind of rotate. I think that's going to be, depending on what formation they start in, that's the starter this week. Yeah. At Z receiver, they've got Dre McCray over Loic Fungi. Interesting. I think Loic will probably start. I, I You said no surprise on Miles Price. I, I don't know what they're going to do there. And I'm sure he'll start. And again, the wide receivers and everything else, you could have five wide receivers start one game just because they start in the five wide formation. True. I think Loic is a candidate to really break out. Yeah. I think even if he's listed as a backup, he's going to get a lot of snaps, especially if you are using a tight end less and going four wide or five wide. J.J. Sparkman is listed as Bradley's backup at X. Xavier White and Nehemiah Martinez list as backups to Miles Price. And then you've got Koyik and Brady Boyd further down at X and Z, respectively. But even those two guys last year got playing time, and that was with Trey Cleveland in the picture. So I put some stock into this. I think it's a good indicator for snap share, but I think everybody will play at least some. I'm still really high on Koy Eakin. Same. Offensive line left to right, Monroe Mills, Cole Spencer, Rusty Stats, Dennis Wilburn, Caleb Rogers. 
I think that's the same as what Joey said it would be and Don Williams reported it would be around yeah. bowl season. The backups left to right, Matt Keeler, Landon Peterson, Sheridan Wilson, Jacoby Jackson, Ty Buchanan. If I had to guess, Jacoby Jackson goes in at left guard or right guard if somebody goes down. Even if the center goes down, they probably just move Wilburn to center. Agreed. And Jacoby Jackson comes in. I think he's probably your sixth man. Yeah. And I think Ty Buchanan would come in for either tackle. Texas Tech recovered a fumble, by the way. So they have the ball back 21-14. Nebraska's defense is just dominating the offensive line, though. Those wide splits. Yeah, that was that was an oh crap block. Oh, running back, I forgot. Well, and quarterback. Tyler Shuck, Taj Brooks. The twos are Baron Morton, Cameron Valdez. And then Bryson Denellis is the third running back. I would, would assume Jake Strong is kind of an emergency quarterback. Imagine they don't want to burn his red shirt unless they absolutely have to. Yeah, agreed. Okay, defense. Here's where maybe it's a little more fun. And Miles Cole. Another sack. Yeah, they are eating our lunch. And this is before Indomitian and Sue. I want to reiterate that. Yeah. <laughs> They're doing this without him. Spin move. Yeah, that was rough. Sorry. Are we out of field goal range now, too? I think so. Oh, they're going to try it. Well, let's see how this goes. I mean, we recovered the ball pretty deep in their territory, and now we're... Who is this, number 30? Is it too good? Too good. Might be a year early. Missed it. I think we went wide left there. No, they gave it to him. Oh. Must have snuck in. Is that too good? Trilika. No, that's Trilika. I didn't know he's that far back. Yeah, I was going to say, he... I thought he was with Harrell in 07. He was, because he hit the game winner in the Gator Bowl. I guess he kicked for three years. But I'm pretty sure it was too good who missed in 06 against Texas. I wonder if he lost the job and got it back or something, or maybe yeah, got hurt. He Hatfield. Defensive end, Miles Cole. Nose tackle, Jalen Hutchings. Defensive tackle, Tony Bradford. Outside linebacker, let's call it edge, Steve Linton. No surprises there, yeah? Nope. The backups at those same positions. End, Isaac Smith. Nose tackle, Quincy Ledette. Defensive tackle, Amarian Banks. Outside linebacker slash edge, Bryce Ramirez. I think Isaac Smith could play that edge spot. Yeah. And I I think Bryce – well, where's Joseph Adateray? I would be very – two things. I would be very surprised if Bryce Ramirez is in the two deep to start the season, just given what he's coming back from. Uh, second thing, Joseph Adateray was mentioned by Joey McGuire pick that he was going to redshirt this year. Or had the potential to. And nothing else was ever said about that. Him and Brady Boyd. Was that actually said? Yeah, Don Williams reported it. I've heard everybody say that that was said, but I've never seen the quote, and I think that would be dumb. <laughs> Quite frankly. 
Uh, Jalen Petrie redshirted in the middle of his career and then finally turned it on toward the end and got, went to the NFL. Joseph Adetere turned it on as a true freshman. He's a good player right now. I want to see if I can find that. Sylvester Brinkley picked it off, returned it to the 11, 24-14 Texas Tech with nine minutes left in the third. We just took three. We're winning the turnover battle 3-0 to zero right now. There's Olamua again. Yeah, I think Joseph Adetere is probably where Isaac Smith is listed at that end position because I think yeah. that's the bigger guy, and I bet Isaac Smith is actually the backup at edge behind Steve Linton, and Bryce Ramirez can probably play either of those positions as the number three, at least to start the season, like you said, coming back from the injury. Holding back Boyd seems more doable. This is from Don Williams. With Adetere, who started six games as a true freshman last season, it might be unrealistic. But where does it say – is Don speculating or did Joey – where's the quote from Joey that says Adetere is a candidate to redshirt? I'm really going to try to redshirt Brady if possible, McGuire said. We feel like at the receiver position in the tight ends we have that possibility. I would like to do that with Joseph Adetere. I just don't know if we're there yet as a program. Don't do it, Log- Joey. Logically, Adetere and Boyd might have bigger impact as fifth-year seniors than as true sophomores and true juniors in 2023. I don't think Adetere is a five-year player. He's a monster. Monster. And honestly, I'd be a little bit surprised if the players were on board with that. Like, if I'm Joseph Adater, I'm like, why do I want to sit out this season? I can play right now. Well, he wouldn't sit out. He'd play four games. Five in a bowl. Same thing. Uh, Mr. Root is here. He says, that's a dumb quote. I'm out. Fire McGuire. And uh, do you like these uniforms? I like these uniforms better than the current uniforms, but no, I don't really particularly love these uniforms either. You can tell they're from 2005, like this. Yeah, the shading. Yeah, the backdrop on the numbers is – I like the idea. I like going black, white, black on the road. I like that there's not a ton of frill. It's just mostly solid. I like that. But I thought he missed that field goal too. (laughs) 27-14. So two straight turnovers lead to two straight field goals for Texas Tech. A fumble and a pick. Okay, linebacker. The Mike and the Will, two inside linebackers. Josiah Pierre, Jacob Rodriguez. Talked about them. And then listed behind them, Tyreek Matthews is the backup to Pierre at the Mike position. He's a senior. That's good. Ty Kana, redshirt freshman is Jacob Rodriguez's backup at the Will linebacker spot. I totally forgot that Tyreek Matthews is coming back. So, yeah, I kind of did too. I'm really, I'm really high on him. That might sound stupid because he's never done anything. He's a senior. But he really flashed last year finally in, a, in the right position, I feel like. He was one of those guys who didn't really fit in the Keith Patterson defense. If our linebackers play well this year – you have to give a lot of credit to the linebackers coach, which I think is it bookbinder coaches the inside linebackers. Yes. Because Kosai Eldridge is kind of the same 
a guy who had been here a long time but not really done a whole lot. That sounds harsh. Yeah. And all of a sudden he's 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 a starter and he's a productive and so like something clicked development wise. And so if that happens with Tyreek Matthews, Jacob Rodriguez, a young guy who's gonna start for the first time and Josiah Pierre, a more experienced guy moving positions, I think you have to look inside that linebacker room and say there's some they're doing something right there development wise with these guys. And then third string at both inside linebacker spots, Trent Lowe and Matthew Young. Again, I think Wesley Smith might. I don't think think those guys will play much. Yeah. Okay, the star position is the safety linebacker hybrid that Marquise Muddy Waters played. That's CJ Baskerville, the transfer from San Diego State. Behind him, this is interesting. True freshman, Brendan Jordan. A guy that you had to fight really hard for his services coming out of high school. Very talented, but he is a true freshman. And that position can kind of be the linchpin for a lot of stuff. So, Yeah, that'll be interesting. I hope that he's able to get – Good playing time against Wyoming and Tarleton, just in case you do really need him in a Big 12 game, that he's not totally fresh and inexperienced at that juncture. Okay, the two corners, Rashad Williams, Malik Dunlap. And then behind them, I know you're going to have thoughts on this. Redshirt freshman Marion Horn and senior Cameron Watts, not listed so this was updated in May. This was before yeah. the transfer of A.J. McCarty. Everything I've seen discussed of McCarty is that he's going to be a backup, kind of be the Kobe Minor role from last year that he'll start next year. Do you have a different opinion on that? I think he'll play a lot, and I think he'll push for a starting role. For I think he'll push Rayshard Williams, yes. I would not be surprised to see those guys start in against Wyoming. But by Big 12 play, I think you'll have new starters at corner. New starter. I would have to take that as a positive development since Rashad Williams is a returning starter for you. If you're doing better than last year's returning starters, that is a good sign. I think they'll all play a lot. How about that? What's not a good sign is Nebraska just got inside the 20 first down they're trailing 27 14 now with 249 left in the third quarter but the huskers are threatening two safety spots dadrian taylor demerson and tyler owens behind them redshirt freshman landon hullaby this is interesting joseph plunk yes he he played a lot in the spring game with the ones and twos Coach's kid, Tascosa Rebel. I think he'll play this year. I think he'll play some this year. And then you also are missing Fresno State transfer. Is it Braden or Braylon Lux? Braylon. Braylon Lux. Is he more of a corner or a safety type? He's more of a corner, right? Yeah, I think he'll play closer to the line of scrimmage. Okay. So I think he'll factor in somewhere on this too deep as well once he's and again, this is not official. This is a website that projects the two deep for, I think, every FBS team. 
Touchdown, Nebraska. Yeah, they do uh, NFL too. Our lads. Zach Taylor throwing it to the goal line. That's actually a really good play. 83, none. None your business. Hey, there were five NFL guys on this roster, Kyle. You want to guess them? On Texas Tech's roster? Yeah. Danny Amendola. One. When you say NFL guys, what do you mean? They have an NFL mark, like multiple years on a roster. Multiple years on a roster, okay. Because like Hodges and Falani went to camp. I don't think they were. No, you have to have made them a roster. Okay. Um, Amendola, 05. Harold would have been on this roster, right? Harold. Saw him earlier on the sideline. Um, Manuel Ramirez. Manuel Ramirez, yes. Three. Do you have another offensive lineman? No. Okay. Man, who else was – oh, uh, was Darcel McBath on this roster? Yes, thanks to the uh, comment section. Oh, I didn't see that. One more. Um, I'll keep my eyes closed in case it comes from the comments. <laughs> is it offense or defense? It is defense. You want the position? Yeah, I might need it. Defensive line. Defensive line in 2005. There's a guy named Bischoffberger. Brett, I think who, who might have been on the roster that like wasn't playing yet. That so I'm trying he, to be like, he's a junior. Oh, um, he's a junior in 05. What the heck? I don't know. I give up. Kiyunta Dawson. See, I thought he was later, which I don't remember him having a long extended NFL career, but yeah, I might not have guessed him anyway. You got the ones I thought you would get. And then Darcel McBath. Duckett was probably – Adele Duckett was more like 2 3 I think. Yeah, he was before. Twenty-seven twenty-one now. Minute and a half left in the third quarter. False start on future NFLer Manuel Ramirez. When do you think he started going by Manny? Oh, who knows? Was he always Manuel at Texas Tech? Wasn't he Manny Ramirez with the Broncos? Yeah, I think so. And then when he came back to coach? Just Manny being Manny. Just Manny being Manny. Do you want to talk Arizona at all? Oh, that is Bush League. Are they calling that a fumble? Bush League. Oh, and then he fumbles it. Boo. They'll review that. Yeah, let's check this. Did we have review in 05? Yeah, they reviewed uh, or at least replayed incessantly earlier. I guess I couldn't hear what they were doing. I seem to remember that the NFL got the concept of like challenging and overturning plays way before college. But maybe that maybe it was only like one or two seasons and it just felt like a long time as a kid. Is this before the tuck rule? This is after the tuck rule. Oh, that was cheap. 
Yeah, he's just throwing it to his teammate. 51. He's trying to fumble it to his teammate before getting tackled so that they yeah. can keep the play alive. I guess they are reviewing it. Yeah, they are. So we must have had it in 05. I think they are going to call this uh fumble, though. Let's look at it. Empty hand rule. It's hard to see. When's he getting hit? Empty hands going forward. I think the ball was in his hand a little bit. I don't know. Oh, it's hard to say. It spirals. They'll go with what they call it on the field. Let's see. Oh, Nebraska's cheering. That guy's a nerd. Man, Leach looks so young. He really does. Timeout. Texas Tech. All right, you want to talk Arizona or you want to do a mailbag? We probably have time for both. We've got the whole fourth quarter here. Let's do it. It's a light mailbag today. What do you want to do on Arizona? Are they coming or not? Are they next? Yeah, what do you think is going to happen there? Do you have Big Ten alignment fodder? Do you think we're (laughs) – do you believe the Clemson-Florida State – uh, to the Big Ten next week rule? No, I'll believe it when I see it in I terms don't of that, that at all. Grant of rights. If I was going to guess whether Arizona or the other happened first, it would definitely be Arizona. I'd put all my money on. Yeah, the only thing I, I'm pretty sure Arizona is coming just based on everything that is out there. Uh, what I what I think is conflicting is. There's different reports on one hand that there's this big sense of urgency and like don't be surprised if it's Monday or Tuesday. And then others like Jason Shear, who's been pretty nails on a lot of this stuff. Touchdown Nebraska. They're about to go up 28-27 after the extra point. You know, Shear is saying like this takes time. It's not as simple as just making a phone call and saying we're in. Which I based on what we heard about Colorado, I think that that it's true because it was like two weeks from when we heard that Colorado called to say, yes, we're all in to them actually announcing it. So I think Arizona is coming. I guess I'm a little bit skeptical if it happens this week. I think it'll be more like they probably decided as soon as Colorado jumped, like, hey, we're coming too. So I would guess about two weeks from that date, which would put us middle of next week. Just a guess. Before kickoff in September or last week, August. Zero week, huh? Before zero week, we'll have another Big 12 school. Do you think ACC teams are on the move? Not this year, no. Yes, eventually. I just don't understand Clemson and Florida State in the Big 10. I guess I get it, but... I'm skeptical at this point if... Anyone besides maybe Notre Dame can really add money to the per team payout. Unless all these guys are willing to go for reduced shares, which maybe makes sense for Oregon and Washington. But even if this rumor that like Florida State has agreed to pay three hundred million over ten years, thirty million a year, if they're on a half share with the Big Ten and getting like forty five million, like let's that's say the payout still, is ninety. That's still ten more than the ACC. No, it's not. Not if they have to pay thirty million a year. They're netting $15 million. They might as well just stay in the ACC. Oh, who are they paying? What are you talking about? If Florida State has to pay a penalty to the ACC to leave oh, early, $30 million a year for 10 years. 
gotcha. and they're making if they took a half share with the Big Ten, which I don't think they would do. Right. But even if, okay, let's say they're making the full seventy million. They're netting forty, but they're basically netting forty right now in the ACC. So, like, why even bother? Yeah. Your path to the playoff is way easier in the ACC. Yeah, I don't understand that move. I understand wanting to get out of the current grant of rights, but I don't understand moving to another conference immediately. If you're the ACC, I get feeling left behind though. I think if they could leave, they would have by now. I think they've had every attorney possible look at it and have probably been told the same thing. Sorry, you're stuck here until 2036. Yeah. When the grant of rights expires. And if they had any option besides that, because also ESPN doesn't incentivize. They're getting Clemson and Florida State at below market value. They're not going to do anything to help them move, like except a, a buyout or a a negotiated rate, they're going to say, no, we're going to air all of your games and pay you 35, 40 million, whatever the ACC's deal is, because that's a bargain for ESPN. So they're not, they're not going to help. Texas Tech down by one punting right back to Nebraska. 28-27. Nine minutes left. Nine, 8-47. I have thought of something, though. This might be too big-brained. But if you add Arizona and then two more, whatever two that looks like, and you're sitting at 16 now with way more inventory than Fox and ESPN ever, you know, kind of thought when they signed you. Um. Maybe if you had Oregon and Washington, you could probably argue we deserve more money per team. Right. The networks aren't going to want to do that. So here's what I propose. Tell the networks, okay, keep your commitment the same, but it's football only. You don't have rights to our basketball. So you're going to pay us the same amount we agreed to, but for football only, no basketball, and we're going to go to open market with basketball. And I wonder if the networks would say, okay, fine. We're going to pay you $31.7 million per year. Even though it's more valuable now because you have Oregon and Washington, you have the Pacific time zone, and we can air you in the after dark slots. And that would allow your mark to go uh, sell basketball on its own, which I. PBS. I saw that somebody, I guess somebody read somewhere that Navigate, the consulting firm that is working with the Big 12 estimated basketball alone for a conference like the big 12 would be worth 25 million per year per school. Yeah. yeah. Which if that's true, first, you have to do it first. If that's true, 25 plus 31 is 56 million per year. Plus whatever you make on the playoff March madness, you are literally right there with the sec and the big 10. Yeah. So that, that's how I would approach it. Say, Hey, we don't want any more money from ESPN and Fox, but it's football only. That's 90% of what y'all value this at anyway. And then we're going to go try to sell basketball to Turner or Apple or who knows what. And, and allow allow ESPN and Fox to bid on it if they want. They probably won't if they just gave you a, a football deal. Yeah. Would you go 
basketball and the rest of the sports or football and the rest of the sports? Because what are you doing with baseball? Maybe you give baseball as a freebie to ESPN. And do you, keep, the, do you keep women's basketball on ESPN? I don't know. But you're two in the weeds for me. But baseball is all ESPN plus ESPNU or Longhorn Network anyway right now. So you say, hey, keep it. We'll give you baseball for free because you're not getting you're not going to sell baseball for anything anyway. Right. Say, give us the same amount per school. We're going to give you that fourth window. We'll give you a Friday night game. We're giving you more than what we initially agreed to. Y'all give us the same amount dollar wise, but let us go sell basketball. Men's basketball. Yeah, I don't know if that's feasible, but I would be a little surprised if your Mark hasn't at least thought of it. Because I've seen all this stuff like, oh, yeah, in six or seven years, we're going to sell basketball separately. He doesn't seem like a guy that's that patient. And part of me wonders why we didn't try this when he first got in the chair. Yeah. So I wonder if this is his way to maneuver into that like right now. All right, five minutes left, 27-31. Nebraska just got a field goal. 31-27. Does that bother you? No, you said 37-21. thought I said 27-31. Oh, maybe you did. Maybe I'm hearing dyslexic. Could have been. Either way, Nebraska has 31, Tech has 27. I might have just made that more confusing than it had to be. But we've got the ball. Driving. Ready to do a mailbag? Yeah, let's do it. You've got mail. Mail time. I found these in my mailbag. Well, it's time to reach into the old mailbag here. Enjoy reading the fan mail. Don't read it all at once. Any mail for me? You don't have a Tic Tac, do you? Did I get any mail? No. Why not, honey? Who's bringing us this mail back here, Kyle? Barnett, Howard, and Williams. They are the only law firm you can trust to try to break the ACC grant of rights. If you want to go to the Big Ten, call our friends over at Barnett, Howard, and Williams. If you're not going to the Big Ten, is this the play right here? I don't want to interrupt this ad read. No, this isn't it. Hodges was just sacked. Barnett Howard and Williams also does criminal defense, catastrophic injury, and one of the only law firms in the state of Texas certified for Title IX student litigation. They hope you never need them, but should you find yourself in a circumstance in life where you need an attorney, call our friends over at Barnett Howard and Williams, bhwlawfirm.com. You can learn more. Three double Texas Tech grads so you know you can trust them. They are the sponsor of the Discord mailbag. If you want to submit your question, join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash gamblinggauchos, $5 a month. You get access to our Discord server, um, all kinds of data analysis on returning production, TV viewership, and uh, private interviews with folks like Cody Campbell, Sonny Cumbie, Dusty Womble, Rodney Blackshear, Matt Mooney, Fardaz Mac Red Raider Legends, like such. Patreon.com slash gambling gauchos. It's going to be a lot of fun this football season. It is. Second and 19 tunnel screen. Of course. And we got half of it right back. Third and, <laughs> right back. Third and nine, third and eight. <laughs> I think, is this the play, Rob? Or do we go for it on fourth down? I think we go for it on fourth down. Okay, let's I see. Think, let's... But I think you get past 
I think you get another first down and then you're and then you have the play. It's a little bit closer. I want to lock in for this final call. Yeah, so we just got to Olamua for about fourth and two coming up here. Okay, fourth and two. Let's just let's just finish this uh, drive here. Are you play by play or color? Uh, you know what? I want to hear your play by play. It's going to be bad. All right, I'll do play by play. Red Raiders in desperation mode now. Fourth and two. This might be their last shot. The clock winds down. Two ten left in the fourth quarter, trailing by four. They cannot kick a field goal here, so they're going to go for it on fourth down. And you're out of your mind if you think Mike Leach is lining up under center. They're in the gun. Cody Hodges looks right, throws it. It's complete to Falani. First down. They're going to have it at the 12-yard line. Falani having a good game today, Kyle. Two touchdowns sure. already. Sure is, Rob. <laughs> sure is, Rob. Setting up for an exciting finish. We're on the radio might, TV. You might be even worse at color than I am at play by oh, play. Oh, I'm so bad at color. I, I I always do play by play. Yeah, we're in the wrong chair right now. Hodges is scanning the field, headed toward the north end zone. Totally making that up. Seven on the play clock. Three down to the bottom here. He drops back. He's looking. Fires left. Tipped up in the air. Intercepted by Nebraska. They're taking it the other way. Oh, and he coughs it up. Who recovered? The Red Raiders are back on it. It's going to be another clean set of downs for the Red Raiders. They tried I can't the believe that. Thing. They tried the fumble forward thing again. We saw that earlier in the game. They tried to fumble it forward. The cheating helps. Look at this. Throws it over the middle. Tipped up. Intercepted by Big 65. He wants the glory. He's going to fumble it. Oh. No, it's Texas Tech's ball. You know, if you're wearing any jersey number over 39 and you've got the ball in your hands, just go down with it. Just fall down. Don't be the hero, big man. Just go down with it, kneel it out, and the Cornhuskers escape with a victory instead. Fresh set of downs. Hodges fires to Falani again. It's going to be second and short here with just under a minute to play. we got the uh, Fibermax Cotton player of the game later. In the post game here, Kyle. <laughs> no free ads. Rob, I'd have to bet that the player of the game is going to be determined here in the next 42 seconds. This woman can hardly watch, Rob. The suspense is killing her. Whose mom is that? Hodges in the gun. He hands it off to Henderson up the gut, and the Cornhuskers defense stuffs him. It's going to be third down. 30 seconds left. What do you think about that, Kyle? Mike Leach running down to take a timeout. Why not just throw the ball? You're Texas Tech. Yeah, you wonder if they think that they can catch them off guard with a run play there or they felt like they had timeouts in their pocket so they wanted to use them. When's the last time Mike Leach caught somebody off guard with the run? First quarter. It's not, it's not my place to say, Rob. I'm just calling the game here for TBS. Not taking sides. Any any color commentary you'd like to add there, Rob? Yeah, here in this timeout uh... – I think you go back to the pass. Mike Leach saying, well, I don't know why I called that. It's third down, third and short. I think you're going to look uh, to the top of the screen, and Joel Falani, he's had the game of his life. Uh, and you're going to have Cody Hodges, new quarterback here for Texas Tech, uh, try to find that connection again here early in the season. Yeah, people forget he's actually roommates with Joel Falani, Rob. <laughs> there any jet ski footage? <laughs> 
of the pair. 27 seconds left to go, third and two. Hodges lines up in the gun, two receivers either side. Henderson in the backfield with him. He drops back. The Huskers bring four, rolls to his right. He escapes one tackle, throws it, and it falls incomplete in the end zone. Red Raiders down to their final shot here, Rob. Don't have a fifth down, Kyle. You got to do it on fourth. Unless you're Colorado back in 1990, 19-dickety-six. Fourth and two. What do you think about the split uh, mouthpiece there from Hodges? Don't have an opinion on that, Rob. I'm just trying to call the game. 19 seconds left. Can't kick a field goal here. You're down by four. Yeah, the math doesn't quite add up there. Field goal would only get you three. So they're going to go for the end zone here. I guess technically they could get another first down. Timeout, Nebraska. During the timeout, you want to – oh, we're back. <laughs> we got a, we got an old mailbag to get through. During the timeout, you want to – oh. I forgot they were going to clip it. They they stayed at the Texas Tech timeout for so long. Dodge no, is in the gun. Opinions, oh, huh? excuse me, Rob. This, is the, this falls into the play-by-play, so don't step on my toes there. The weight of the world on his shoulders. It all comes down to this. Two backs on either side. He drops back. Nebraska brings four. He scrambles to his left. Looking, looking. Fires. End zone. Did he get it? Touchdown, Joel Fulani. Rob, he's having a good game today, isn't he? Game of his life. I think he might just be our Fiber Max player of the game. Fiber Max Cotton player of the game, Joel Fulani. Getting tackled on the sideline. There's still 12 seconds left, Rob. I've seen crazier things. As a Nebraska fans, head for the exits. What a bunch of losers. Hands on their faces. Surrender, Cobra. Here's the extra point to make it 34-31. It's in. Three-point lead. 12 seconds. Can they make miracles happen, Kyle? Rob, I still can't get over that Nebraska had the game won. All they had to do was fall down on that fumble, take a couple kneel downs, and they would have knocked off the 13th-ranked Red Raiders instead. A miraculous fumble recovery. And four plays later, the throw of his life, Rob. Cody Hodges, what a play. What is this linebacker doing looking back at the ball? Put your hands out. All right, let's finish the mailbag. Start the mailbag. Should we do the intro again? Falani stat line, 11 catches, 163, and three tutties. Told you you had a good game. All right. Uh, Are BYU fans most likely to buddy you? I don't think so. I think they're – if they did buddy you, it would – be with yeah. no malicious intent. They would actually be trying to call you like friend or partner or buddy. Or That's something what I was else. thinking. Like if a BYU fan called me pal, I'd be like, okay. What's up, buddy? Come here, you. Give me a hug. Mario says we should do a Marble post game show. Take calls. Uh, oh, we have some. Uh, we have some calls. I we got a bomb threat this week. Let's not play that one, but yeah, let, let's do the Big 12 hotline. Uh, let's finish the mailbag first. Uh, which Pac-12 media members are coping the hardest? Stewart. Did you see Stewart this week say uh, 
Do you think the Pac-12 knows there's urgency? Stewart is tweeting everything that everyone was tweeting at him two years ago. And now he's like, hey, guys, I think I figured something out here as a smart guy in the room. I was like, dude, you were calling us, you know, whack jobs for telling you this exact same stuff in the summer of 2021 and summer of 2022. Uh, Are Bob Bowlesby and George Klyakov the same person? No, but I want to comment on this, Rob. Like, you and I, tough on Bowlesby. I've seen some takes this week that they're like, hey, say what you want about Bob Bowlesby. But he went and got those four when you absolutely needed them, those four schools. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. There was a The shadow government was already in place by that point. Yeah. I give Bob Bowlesby credit for nothing. The Baylor president, Kirby, and Lawrence Skuvenek went and got those four teams. Yes. So, no, I'm not even willing to give him credit on that one item. But I think Bob Bowlesby's tenure was better than Klyakov's. Yeah, I mean, Bowlesby's conference still exists. Yeah. I mean, they – yeah. Pretty brutal. Does George Klyakov have an award named after him? No. (laughs) Bob does. Uh, start bench cut summer fruits, watermelon, peach, pineapple. Start pineapple, don't care about the others. Really? You're that strong on pineapple? Big pineapple guy, yeah. You don't like uh, watermelon or peach? Nope. I like peach flavored things. I don't know the last time I just ate a peach, though. I'm a big pineapple guy, but I'm uh, allergic to it. Makes me tingle. What's the next question in the mailbag? <laughs> we got some funny comments. Take that, Matt Rule. You don't want to explore my tingling? The Joey revenge game over Matt Rule. I I have this is something I've proposed, Rob. Home home neutral with Nebraska. Lubbock, Lincoln, and then Arrowhead. I'm in. I'm absolutely in. Make it the Saturday before, you know, a big Chiefs game and have Mahomes there to do some promo. Oh, that'd be awesome. Another one. When you guys talked to the BYU guy on the Big 12 road trip last episode, the way he talked about their fans, that's the exact way Nebraska fans were. They all came up and congratulated us on the way out of the stadium. The guys that were of age even got taken out to a bar with some Nebraska fans. It was crazy town. So I guess they've got cool fans too. Uh, Power rank your top five favorite college coach scandals. Doesn't have to be on the field, just any scandal. Oh, man. Top of the dome, give me Larry Eustacey at Iowa State, pounding natty lights and partying with college-age women, like right after games. He was, like, staying on campus at away games to go party with. I go uh, Bobby Petrino with the motorcycle. That was a good one. That neck brace will live in infamy. Do you remember Tom Herman's interview – it was right before Houston played Memphis for the American Conversado game. And yes. It's like, dude, just say, like, I'm not commenting on that. He's boxed it. He went to Big Brain Mensa there. So, Not really a scandal, but one of my favorite coach moments was Hugh Freeze coaching in a hospital bed. Yes. Not really a scandal. I mean, he was ill, but. Also, Hugh Freeze saying that he was accidentally dialing an escort service for – 
on his second cell phone for multiple years. Uh, hypothetically, if it's in a... <laughs> should have read this one before. Uh, hypothetically, if an NFL superstar's wife was in an open relationship, would you? I would. I don't know. The next comment is respectfully. <laughs> uh, what's the worst fruit in a fruit salad? I don't eat fruit salad. Those fake pears. America's funniest videos start bench process cut. Uh, Bob Saget, John Fugelsang, Tom Bergeron, or Alfonso Ribeiro? Were these hosts of America's Funnies? Yeah. I'm starting Bob Saget, the GOAT. Sure. Benching Alfonso Ribeiro. I don't know the other one, but I'll cut Tom Berenger. Bergeron, because I don't like that guy. I don't know who Bergeron or the other one. I know who Fugelsong is, so I guess I'll bench him. You know, you know Fugelsong out of that. Yeah. You don't know Alfonso Ribeiro. Who's that? Carlton. Oh. Well, okay. Yeah, I know who that is. I'll yeah. bench him and then process Fugelsong and then cut the other guy. I'll have to look up John Fugelsong. Maybe I know him. What was he on? I don't know. Besides this. I can just picture him in my head. I don't actually know what he's like attached to, but I know who John Fuglesong is. It's crazy. Uh, how many games would Tech win this upcoming season if they ran the triple option? I don't feel like the triple option's the best way to maximize our offensive talent. Yeah. Six? Four? Four, yeah. How many 50 burgers this season? I was thinking about that for our – we're going to do – made up props like we always do before the season. So I'm going to save that because we did a prop on that last year, but we'll have an, we'll have an over under, we'll have a line for everybody to pick on 50 burgers. You kind of already answered this, but your top three impressions on the recent rewatch of the 2022 games. Yeah, I think I covered most of that. Should McGuire wear the same hat next year? No, he needs to go to Cardinal sports center and get one from the vault. Or a gambling gouge is that? How cool would that be if he was rocking that under the headset? Well, we know he's not going to do that. You know, I gave him a t-shirt. Have we seen that out in the wild yet? <laughs> Did you see his uh, board shorts, whatever he was wearing yeah. this weekend? Yeah. It's funny. It's like, whose dad is this? A uh, friend just helped you move across the city. What are you buying them as a thank you? Pizza and beer. Yeah, that's easy. And have it there at the end of the work. Yeah, move the fridge in early in the day and put the beer in there so it's cold by the time y'all are done. Final question, is Arizona a silent commit? I think so, basically, yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. Hey, prop bet, who's more likely to be in by the 2024 season, Arizona or Micah Hudson? Arizona, but both. I like that answer. I think I think we'll find out about Arizona first. Da, 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 da. All right, you ready for a Big Twelve hotline? Yeah, am I going to be able to hear it? 
Yeah. We'll do it the old-fashioned way. You don't want the bomb threat one? I Probably not. Uh, I will say, before you get to that, if you want to sponsor the Big 12 hotline, this thing is going to be hopping all off season, or all season once we get to football. So if you want to sponsor the Gambling Gauchos and reach millions and billions and trillions of people, let us know. You get social media promotion, ad reads, all that good stuff. Hit us up. Okay, you ready? Hello, Mr. Gaucho. You don't know me, but I know where you live. And if you say one more time that the Colorado School of Mines is coming to the Big 12, so help me God. I think that started as a Joker impression and then devolved very quickly. I think the Colorado School of Mines is really far down the list on Big 12 expansion candidates. But probably still ahead of UConn. He'll be happy we uh, play this message. He, I know who that is. He's saved in my phone. If you're saved in my phone, you're saved in the 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 app that <laughs> that calls. So one time I answered his phone call and he was like, oh, uh, uh, I was calling the mailbag. I was like, oh, so I just never answer his phone calls anymore. And he just leaves messages. Uh, is the big 12 hotline there? Yeah. So we're saying no on the, uh, the bombing. I mean, are we going to get in trouble? We aren't. Then I have a I have a, another one from a wild wildcat fan Winslow. This is from May thirteenth though. So if you wanna if you wanna hear it, you can. If you don't, you don't. Yeah, let's hear it. It's two minutes. I got time. Okay. Do you screen these at all? Yeah. Okay. Well, I knew the bomb threat was coming. Okay. I screened this one enough to actually put it on the board. Hi, fellas. This is Wildcat Wildfan Winslow here. Friends call me Winnie the Pooh, though, because of the cartoon bear. And also, I crap my pants after eating 12 of the Kansas State team hot dogs at the Big Club Tournament this year. Fellas, as a KSU fan, I am worried. Actually, I am flat out terrified of next year's matchup with Kansas across all sports. But I want to talk about the only sport we've had over Kansas, and that's football. Those Jayhawks have the one coach I trade Chris Common for, and I know we just came off a conference championship and just gave him all that cold, hard cash. But Lance Leipold shares me more than one leg of centipede staring down the business end of a grackle. He's a motivator, and he turned that turd into a tornado. I mean, the motion, speed, and slide of hand they use scares me more than a white shirt at a spaghetti sauce convention. Plus, Leipold returns almost all of the offensive production that was totally electric, led by most likely... 2024 Conference Quarterback of the Year, Jalen Daniels. Bad Daniels scares me more than a box of Sour Patch Kids on the set of Heavyweight. And you want to talk about cohesion? Did you know they're one of the few programs, not just in the conference, but the country, to return their head coach, both coordinators, and their quarterback? I mean, the thought of what that combination could be, you know, when year three scares me more than NBA superstars having to wear just like normal clothes. Then we get to the defense. No doubt about it. It was a liability for those ding-dongs. They couldn't stop the run at their last, depending on it. 
and yet, out of nowhere, they consistently cause pressure, and with the young nucleus in their secondary, by golly, they force turnovers. I mean, the thought of throwing towards the sophomore version of Jacoby Bryant scares me more than a 79-year-old Robert De Niro using protection. I mean, come on, De Niro. How are you even still that potent? At your age, there's a threshold that you and the baby are both be wearing diapers. Anyways, I appreciate you fellas and the terrific show you put on. Just wanted to share how I'm feeling about those up-and-coming Kansas Jayhawks. Because if we're being honest, in the next Sunflower Showdown, there's a real chance that while they're waving the wheat, we're waving a white flag. I mean, the thought of that image scares me more than Disney animators having to consistently draw pants on their character. But again, y'all have a fan in old Wildcat, Wild fan, Winslow, and as always, Emo! Wildcat, <laughs> oh there. That is everything that the Big 12 hotline should be. Give us all of that. Looking forward to the next uh, Wildcat Winslow call. He kind of sounded like a Kansas fan, though, didn't he? Kind of. Let's hear the bomb threat. Okay. Let me pull it back up. Are you streaming John Kurtz over there? talking about my apartment or your house but a little bit a little bit scary i don't think i've ever said that smu was coming to the big 12 no don't worry smu is not coming to the big 12 no are you streaming john kurtz over there yeah but not on uh not, i can see, not I can see him on my little yeah it was, the next video, it was the next video after the football game yeah you mean to turn him off all the way oh, i don't care what do you have against John Kurtz? Absolutely nothing. There you go. That's all I got, man. Do you have any final thoughts? Wish my dog would shut up. I don't know if you can hear that. We can always hear him. Uh, I saw No Country for Old Men for the first time yesterday. How was that? Have you seen it? Yes. <laughs> Somebody came out. I was like 14 when it came out, oh. and then, I don't know, I feel like there was a window there where, I don't know, then I went to college and like watched other movies and didn't catch up on some that I missed, so it's my first time. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I loved it. The, spoiler alert, this movie came out 16 years ago, so. Yeah, we're fine. Um, the second to last scene one of like the coolest that I can remember when he is in the car accident and he breaks his arm and he just tells us this is like the bad guy it's not the protagonist he tells us because he's like all right let me let me sit down for a minute and he just like makes a quick sling pays him a hundred bucks and says you didn't see him and he like walks off right before the ambulance gets there it's like the most unsatisfying ending in a lot of ways because like the bad guy gets away with it <clears throat> after all that but i've been waiting for a movie to end that way like my whole life like i mean good movies still suspend your disbelief and leaves you in doubt as to whether or not the good guys will prevail but then they almost always do and i always kind of envisioned that like the bad guy just riding off in the sunset after getting away with all of it and somebody was finally bold enough creative enough to do it so i actually kind of liked it 
satisfying. Also, it's also like a, an interpretation of the ending that because Anton Chigurh's character represents basically certain death, like a lot of viewers were left upset that the sheriff didn't wind up confronting him and offing him at the end. But this interpretation was that had the sheriff actually crossed paths with Anton Chigurh, he would have been killed too. And then it would have been just like one more body count racked up by the uh, bad guy. So maybe small silver lining there. Not a, not a movie with a happy ending or anything like that, but maybe that's a slight silver lining for the viewer. I need to rewatch that. I'll watch it again someday. I really liked it. Is that your final thought? No, it was just uh, another thought. Uh, yeah. My final thought is that you can never cross the ocean until you have the courage to lose sight of the shore. Mm. That's good. It's good. Gotta leave pass, huh? Pass behind, huh? Do you have any final thoughts, Rob? No, that's it, man. You said it all, coach. All right. Love y'all.